0: Note to listeners, this episode contains language that some may find offensive. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you for listening to the City on Fire podcast. The following special bonus episode will discuss solutions to some social ills addressed during the series with outreach workers and voices you've already heard as Rochester searches for answers. ice cream truck tune is known worldwide. When children hear the truck riding down their street, they dart toward it. The energy is similar when Josh Knobloch and Sasha Mesropov walk through Rochester on a hot summer day. Knobloch and Mesropov are outreach workers with MC Collaborative, a care agency that assists individuals facing significant mental health, physical health, and addiction issues. Monday through Thursday, the duo is accompanied by other volunteers and social workers as they walk through Rochester's most economically deprived neighborhoods with food, clothes, harm reduction tools, Narcan, condoms, recovery options, and ice cream. This is City on Fire the USA Today Network podcast on the effect rising temperatures have on public safety. I'm Rob Bell, a reporter for the Rochester Democrat and Chronicle. This is episode five, Ice Cream. I walked with Josh and Sasha during one of Rochester's hottest weeks to experience how they build relationships with people who can't escape the sun. Here's Josh Knobloch.
1: I do a lot of outreach and getting uh, things for people that they need.
0: (coughs) And how long have you been doing these outreach walks?
1: Um, over a year. I started last spring when I was still running the pantry. I was bringing sna- <clears throat> snacks and food and stuff, and uh, now that I work for him, I do it every day. Boss, you want a lunch or anything? Sir. Sir. Well, uh, give us one second. We got the cart with lunches right there, and we're gonna... Can we give you frozen breakfast sandwiches? Will they let you use the microwave in there? Uh, sure. Okay. We'll get you some of those, too harm reduction supplies or addiction resources, uh, housing, and then basic needs like food, clothing, hygiene, things like that. You want some stuff? Come on. Okay, let's get one more bag ready for him. It's mainly about building relationships and trust because a lot of these people are in a tough time in their life, have been through a lot of rough things, so they might be leery to trust people um, but them seeing us the same time every week at the same place actually having something to meet some of their immediate needs and then the ability to either help them navigate systems for long-term resources or to provide some uh, resources ourselves as far as getting them into shelter or housing or treatment um, i think is the most important aspect of what we do any weather any day we're out yeah so much of this was these damn spinach wraps, which is not most people favorite. Here, hand that to them so they can yeah, put one could, of yeah. these this one. Yes. We'll- if you go to this uh, breakout right there, she's got some water. Monroe, we have some people in need of housing, um, and it's mainly uh, alcohol that is the main thing we see being used, um, with other things sprinkled in. Uh, On Lyle, there's more victims of sex trafficking and things like that. There is drug use, but you don't find as many syringes and stuff. Um, Wednesdays on Jefferson, um, there's less people in need of housing. Um, It's more people that just need some snacks and some water. Um, I don't think we've ever found a needle or anything over there. Um, On Thursdays for North Clinton, you find a lot of people in need of housing or shelter and basic needs, and also we pick up Dozens, if not hundreds, of needles uh, on those days. No so water, snacks, or anything. Yes. Okay, cool. They're going to catch up. So if you come right here, they'll they'll come to you. We have Narcan with us always, um, Tuesdays and Thursdays. So Lyle and Clinton are our biggest days that people actually use it. And typically on Clinton, people will tell us, "Oh yeah, I just used mine. Can I get another?" Because um, there's just a higher rate of OD.
2: Oh, they got my favorites! Right. Yeah. Got i have been looking piece. for them. For I them. know, I had their endorsement. <laughs> <bread and everything. laughs> I love them
1: motherfuckers. Got and and you have two of them yeah. and then three more. Where are they? You're you welcome. a lunch and a water and uh, fruit. Oh, yeah. And a pair of socks. Oh, You know, I have a lot of shared experiences. Like growing up, I grew up in Section 8 housing, on food stamps, all that. Right. Right Um, When I lived in New York City, I lived in the projects, like, I've been on food stamps and cash assistance, I've lived out of my car, I've been to jail, so, like, I can relate to a lot of the experiences that these people are going through, and also, like, it's, I guess, just my nature to sort of be able to interact pretty seamlessly with people from all different backgrounds.
3: Anyways, I appreciate everything you guys do for me, and anybody else, Uh...
4: You
0: have blessed a blessed day, you. Well, Stay cool, man. Yeah. Here's Sasha, here's the, this was the rest for him. This is Sasha
4: Bezropov. I always wanted to do something that was more focused on like addiction and substance use, because I have a lot of history of that in my family. Like We have a guy that I've known out here for like years, like when I first started at Trillium, he would show up at the harm reduction services office, um, which is like the needle exchange. And he wasn't shooting, so he would never come in and get, like, needles or anything. He would just sit out on the parking bench um, or on the the picnic table because he smoked crack. So he would just come and hang out. And I saw him for years, like, uh, earlier this year in my new job. We ran into him, and he finally was like, hey. Can you help me with housing? And he, this guy's been homeless for like a decade probably. Um, I'm not gonna say his name, but a lot of people in the in this like field would probably know who he is. And he's got his own apartment now, he's working a steady job, he went to treatment, he's got a girlfriend, it's always possible. If somebody, I think it's like the right place, right time kind of thing, like they also have to be in the right mindset. Um, and have to have the right services. Letting people know that you're gonna be there regardless of what they do. Like, cause that's what I try to, I try to make people know, like, no matter how badly you screw up, like, I'm always gonna be here. Like, if you want help at some point, like, I'll take you to rehab a million times. Cause I know that one day it might stick.
0: Rehab stuck for Gary Harden. He's the outreach worker that introduced us to TT on Joseph Avenue in Episode 2. Everybody knows Gary. Here's TT and Justin from Episode 2. How's it feel when you see Gary?
5: Exciting. Happy. (laughs) I'd be happy to see him. Because I know it's like good vibes. It's nothing bad when I see him. Yeah, Yeah, and I only met him a couple times. And I never forget him. Gary's a fantastic gentleman, I love him to death. Uh,
0: me and him have sat down more uh, many times. he give you the shirt off his back. Harding offers support based on his own experience with addiction.
5: And I was really bad, um, doing a lot of raver drugs, ecstasy, drinking, special cake, coke, um, not a lot. And um, I ran, you know, my brother came and picked me up to take me down, move with him and um, so we're up I don't know I it, I just drank And I loved it I drank a whole liter of vodka the very first time I ever drank wow. Um And And then I had no fear of anything So it didn't matter what it was How much it was uh, I would do it And I couldn't get enough ever At 19 Uh, I got into crack and I had actually come up to the city with a friend to get weed and I saw him buy we were on the side of the street and I saw him buy I didn't know what he bought but I knew it was different and then he was smoking it and just handed it to me and I did it and that was the worst year of my life for a year all I did was crack I didn't drink I wouldn't do anything but crack worst year as soon as I took that last hit, like I mean, even before it was done, I I just remember that feeling of just complete despair, hopelessness, depression, like every negative feeling that you could have. I overdosed um, the last time that I used, and it was pretty bad. Um, I don't remember um, the. Last thing I remember was just like feeling like I, a, a way that I had never felt before, and I just knew it wasn't good and I was fading. Um, and uh, until I, you know, um, passed out or whatever, I don't really remember um, anything. But ultimately, it landed me in the ICU um, and then the psych ward for an evaluation. I spent a week in the hospital and I knew I had a problem. Like, that was never an issue. Like, I knew it wasn't normal the way I drank and did drugs. So when I got out of the hospital, I just was like, all right, I'm, I need to, you know, take it easy for a little bit, because my mom was down there in uh, North Carolina, and she had had to go, like, an hour and a half to the hospital. I was down in South Carolina at when I overdosed so put her through how and she literally just stayed there at the hospital and I don't remember anything. Well I first went to NA and that was too much for me to talk about the drugs Okay. and so I, I tried AA and that was cool that that was we they generally speaking don't talk about drugs in AA. Um, the group that I started going to was pretty cool and that fairly relaxed and would talk about drugs a little bit, but not like any, you know? Yeah. So in the beginning, you know, I just, I listened to everything they said in AA, which is, you know, get a home group, a sponsor, and a service position. Service position is just doing something for the group, like coffee maker, greeter, whatever. Yeah. And I did all those things, and I kept going and just kept listening. And, um, uh, you know and then next thing I knew, you know, I mean, I, I've got six months, a year, multiple years, and so I think what I don't think AA is the only way for sure, it worked for me. Um, I think what I would say is responsible for my success would be like the, the principles of AA that can be done anywhere, but um. Uh, community, right, unity, Um, I've got a great, always had a great solar network. Um, Service, so I I don't really go to many meetings anymore, but like, I'm contributing to my recovery in uh, this way. So I'm being of service to others, uh, showing them, you know, like that that it is possible um, they can recover too, yeah. You always hear people joke about how the heat like brings out, you know, um, the madness, um, and there might just be some truth to that, you know. Um, I would say for sure the the potential for violence uh, is definitely greater uh, during the summer summer months, or you know, outside of the winter for sure. I mean, it just is just a fact.
0: Like, you should be safe, but also be precautious. Like, be like be aware of your surroundings type stuff. You know something's gonna go wrong, with, like your gut telling you something's gonna go wrong. If you look at the area, you feel something wrong. Like, stick to your gut
3: type stuff. Then leave the area, or like, go
0: somewhere else. Like, relocate. Y'all can still have fun. Y'all still get a lift. Just relocate somewhere else. You're not being pussy, you're not being bitch. When it comes to solving summertime murders, cooperation between the community and the police can help foster better solutions to the problem. In 2020, those relations took a significant blow after the murder of George Floyd by Minneapolis police and the local death of Daniel Prude, a black man in the middle of a mental health crisis after his encounter with Rochester police. This is violence intervention specialist Anthony Hall speaking at a march for Prude.
3: What's his name? Room. What's his name? Room. January six, two thousand and twenty one. Ninety nine percent white men and women get to storm the U.S. Capitol and walk it's out about it. and met with no resistance. None left unharmed.
0: Escorted in.
3: A black boy can walk down the street and get killed by a cop.
0: Black girls can get company.
3: Babies, black girls, pepper spray. Mm-hmm. And here's the reality: most of y'all, life will go on. The Pood family life, not it stopped. It stopped. March 30th, it stopped.
0: Officer Moses Robinson. You know it's interesting when we
2: had when we had in Rochester the the, the the Daniel Prude marches. Anthony was one of the leaders of the marches. And and Anthony and I used to go head to head, right on the front line of the marches. Five five hundred people or so behind him, two hundred and seven cops, mobile field force behind me. And we used to go head to head.
0: Cousins Cameron Mixon and Brian Booths have their own thoughts on police relations. I'm not gonna lie to you, like I'm not saying a lot like every cop is bad, but like I
3: don't fuck with cops in general, like me and my little man's just chilling. we walk around. I live right down the street from the U of R, bruh. Me and my little man's just chilling. we bored as hell, we walk around the U of R and shit. These niggas pop up, tell my son. Put my son on his teeth. Split his shit in half. Cop. Yeah. All that, like, yo, what the fuck? Interrogating him and all that. These, mind you, it's all wild, unnecessary shit. Didn't read. Nobody did Miranda the Rights. Then I'm just like, yo, this mad shit going on that even I know is not supposed to be happening. You got him detained already. What you slammed him on his face for? His front tooth split in half. Still, right now, he in there, chilling. Front tooth still split in half. Like, no consequences to that nigga. And then we wasn't even doing nothing. We just got a trespassing ticket. All that for that, for real. A cop probably pull you over for looking suspicious or whatever, but, gee, shit, he want to fuck with you.
0: But niggas still get detained, niggas still get handcuffed, niggas still get slammed in the neck, they back. Officer Moses Robinson's job is to bridge the community in the police department.
2: The image of uh, profiling African-American males in particular with the, the image of, a, of a, uh, uh, a drug dealer or a kid who's a gangbanger and you know, um, understanding what that image look like and training officers in uh, terms of, you know, real talk. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, really this is, this is an image, but it's not the reality. And so we, 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 we can combat that with doing positive relationships, positive conversations. Engagement, having that difficult conversation
0: between youth and um, and policemen. During the proved marches, Robinson had those difficult conversations with Anthony Hall. And we used to argue on the on the front
2: line and blah 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 blah, and we used to go at it. And 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 it's interesting because we talk about how we handle disputes, right? Here are two people, one's an officer, the other one's a uh, uh, activist going head-to-head. 500 people behind him, 200
0: people behind me. Anthony and I are best friends. In 2022, Anthony Hall was named the Director of Pathways to Peace, a city of Rochester program that dispatches a street-level team to provide support and nonviolent alternatives for youth, resorting to violence to settle disputes. During Hall's tenure, shootings and homicides went down in Rochester, according to police data. He credits the stats on the work of his team and other credible messengers in the violence prevention space. At the time of my interview with Hall, he had announced days earlier that he was leaving the position. Um,
3: We did some great work Uh, in the short time that I was there, 16 months. um, I I do uh, equate a lot of the work we've done uh, to... The reduction of what we see in our city related to violence, particularly gun violence, um, even though Pathways responds to all violence, um, but we we the 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 gun violence that you've seen uh, in our city can be far worse, far worse, and the men and women of Pathways of Peace that put their lives on the line daily to interact, to stop a beef, to stop a shooting, to calm folks down, Um, uh, put in some
0: pain, man, in order to do that. He is now the CEO of Community Resource Collaborative, a nonprofit working with young people who have been impacted directly and indirectly by all forms of violence.
2: What Anthony and and I... come to an agreement is that we want the community to be safe. We want our community to be vibrant. We want our community to be protected. And people should never be afraid of the people who are supposed to protect them. I I recognize not only the God in Anthony, but the work that he can do with God's intervention for the reason why strategically he came into my life. But I understand Anthony. So that's what we want to build in our community, the capacity to disagree intelligently. And at the same time, we don't have to agree with each other. But we ain't got to kill each other either because we disagree.
4: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: Not only does weather uh, affect your emotions, right? You know, when it's raining, you kind of down, whatever. And you see that. And you feel it. Or you hear people saying, oh, my, "My knees hurt." It's about to rain. You know what I mean? Or the snow coming, and you know, folks, folks, you start seeing folks' um, color change. But I think if if we engage as a, as a community, as a as a human race, to uh, impact um, the quality of life, if we engage to do that holistically, man, we do change the planet.
0: I noticed something while walking with MC Collaborative on Clinton Avenue. Out of all the resources the group had available, the free ice cream excited folks the most. You
5: want an ice cream, honey? You want ice cream? Hey, we yeah, all
4: were we children got, one time. You want ice cream, one? Oh,
1: she wanted an ice cream. <laughs> Gabby, are you out of ice cream? Chocolate, strawberry, or some fruit you stuff. Want an so so you want ice cream I think we got maybe a water lap Ice cream? Oh, an ice
3: cream. Well, a
2: wise man once said these words. He says, the will to live is stronger than the will to die. I know that a lot of times our, our kids are, can be frightening, especially kids that you don't know. Um, if you're living in a community where there's kids, One of the best ways to engage a child is let him be a child. Feed him. Talk to him. Buy him ice cream. Because some of us have grown up like man-child in the promised land. Never allowed to be a child. You know, and sometimes... You know, you don't know the pain of what those children have gone through and why they're acting out the way they're acting out. Um, I think the best practice for us is to recognize that they're still kids. They still want to be kids. They've been forced in some cases, like me, to be an adult. But, you know,
3: buy them ice cream. Buy them ice cream.
0: Thank you for listening to the City on Fire podcast. Let us know how you felt about the series with a rating and a comment. We appreciate your time. The City on Fire project can be found on various sites throughout the USA Today Network. This City on Fire podcast is part of the USA Today Network Northeast Human Centered Climate Crisis Project called Perilous Course, directed by New York State Enterprise editor William Ramsey. This podcast was produced by me, Rob Bell a reporter for the Rochester Democrat and Chronicle, and USA Today Network Northeast Regional Multimedia Director Sean Oates. Special thanks to Moses Robinson, Cameron Mixon, Brian Boos, Anthony Hall, Josh Knobloch, Sasha Mesropov, Gary Harding, Tiana Magnon, and the entire team at MC Collaborative and the Montgomery Neighborhood Center.